and welcome back to the Jim, Burns and Dave podcast. We've been doing lots of fun stuff and traveling around the country, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, we're not going to talk about it because we can't, because otherwise we'd be assassinated. But look, let's talk about things we can say lovely stuff about. Mm-hmm. Wolfenstein 2. Jim's face. Jim, Jim has a lovely... Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no denying that, but that's common knowledge. That's Wikimedia common shit. You know, you can use that face anywhere. <laughs> you actually, you can't. <laughs> you got to pay special on productions. Yeah. Yeah. Scratch that, George Lucas. Out yeah, there. Actually, yeah. Uh, so I played Wolfensteiner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to lie, a bit of a moan on uh, on WhatsApp over maybe the first four oh, hours. Yeah, for, for the first three days you were playing it, I didn't hear a fucking end of it, as if I'd personally made it and was responsible you for didn't, all You didn't make it? Shit. Face Burns was moaning. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Face Burns was having a right old excuse moan. Me, uh, excuse me, you're allowed to be a face and also... Face Burns was complaining about having to shoot so many Nazis because he thought... <laughs> yes, cut that thought well, right there. Well, there we go, there we go. He uh, thought they should uh, listen to their ideas first. Overall, I really, I really enjoyed it. The second half is very, very strong. Once yeah. you get to America... But once again, it seems like Machine Games hadn't really learned the lesson of the first game. Yeah, well, was... I think you're actually talking shit here. Okay, but that's, that's fine. That's fine. You can think that. No, it's I like, can think... Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Carry exactly. On. See? But once you, yeah, once you set foot in America, it is fantastic. And I will say, amongst the pathos uh, of some of the things that happened, amongst the very serious nature of some of, the, uh, some of the commentary, this sounds weird to say, it's fucking hilarious. There are moments in that game where in normal video games it would build it up like this is it would give you the music right this is the important moment you'd be whispering feel sad you know oh someone's died or something's happening in this characters are interrupted in their moments of you know shame or degradation or you know their moments of non-triumph by people coming out of the toilet by having a shit in the toilet in a proper toilet for the first time in years and you're like this is the greatest game of all time so it knows the levers to pull while saying this is a a fundamentally absurd premise, but also winking at the player. The game winks at the player. Does it also have 8,000 Alsatians? No, the Alsatian count is lower, but... Uh, Out, not interested. <laughs> uh, generally, I thought it's a, it is a game which, I wouldn't say it constantly surprises, but it has some lovely moments where you're like, why has no one done this before? Mm-hmm. Or, or it plays with established conventions. The very start... So, bit tiny spoiler, not really a spoiler, but just a, a detail. Uh, Blaskovitz awakes from the end of the first game, and he is—he's uh, killed Death's Head, but he's—he's he's fucked basically. Death's Head pulls the grenade at the mm-hmm. end of the first game. I quite uh, like calling him Death Shed. Death Shed, because uh, he, he is also the sort of bloke who's got a lot of things kept in a place. Well, I mean, so, yes, you know. absolutely. Uh, and then before they had the nuclear strike on uh, on this compound or whatever. Mm-hmm. Blaskets is saved, but he has suffered a terrible injury. So he's dying, essentially. And at the very start, uh, Nazis attack the place you're at. So he's in a wheelchair, pushing himself around and then picking up the uh, the gun and firing. And it just, there's something about the movement and the absurdity of him in like a, a hospital gown or whatever it is, mm-hmm. in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. firing away with this submachine gun. It's like very kind of 90s tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. post-die-hard piss take. But is also makes you feel really cool. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I'm a wheelchair. It's, it's mad, isn't it? Because in that scene as well, you, you also have a colostomy bag. Blaskovitz is fucked in that opening. And uh, you have to take out all these guys. And uh, you have to... Um, and not only that, but it's still, like, it's still the usual Wolfenstein stuff. So you have to figure out how to get from one part of the level to the other, you know, which usually involves, like, you know getting a door open or getting switches flipped or something, you know? Yeah. So, so like, it feels really tense and desperate because it feels like a fucking... Even now, Blaskovitz can't catch a break and it's like, you know, you, you played through that entire game before it where, he, you know, he was able-bodied, he was hard as fuck and, you know, it was still really difficult to obviously kill all the Nazis. And now you're still having to do it and you're severely crippled. And, you know, you really feel that in that opening, I think. So, yeah, I, th- I thought it was really well done. I really liked so it. So now I know the ending of the first one. I don't have to stick with your bullshit rule of having to play the other ones before you lend me Wolfenstein 2, right? No, that wasn't a rule. I just said that you'd probably want to play the first two before it, you it, play well, it. I just want to play the 3D one again because it's fucking brilliant. It's summarised at the, at the start of the game. Uh, obviously, I won't spoil what it is, but the mm. end of Wolfenstein 2 is superb it really is fucking brilliant uh, i can't say any more 
but it is it plays into themes of uh, you know when you know Americans or they talk about the kind of golden generation of you know the fifties and sixties. It takes those, gives it a bit of a Nazi twist because obviously they've taken over America. It's so good. I can't say any, I can't say any more. Get it done. Get the game finished, guys. I need to talk to you about it. Also, there is a big spoiler uh, about midway. Well, no, about three quarters of the way through the game. Try and avoid the spoiler for this, but you meet someone. And uh, but the way that you meet this certain someone, the setup for Blaskowitz meeting them is fucking brilliant. It's so good. I can't say any more, but I will say if you're on the fence about Wolfenstein 2, it still has some of the same problems as the first game. But go and get it because overall, I'm really pumped for Wolfenstein 3. Mm-hmm. Wolfenstein-ist. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like a, a bunch of DLC getting unlocked soon as well? Uh, that's the vault. So yeah. one of the doors in the U-boat opens. Those are combat missions and some other stuff. But when the game finishes, mm-hmm. that's not the end of the game. There's mm-hmm. still a uh, like a hub world section, and you can mm-hmm. go and take out Nazi commanders who have who are in certain parts of the US. Mm-hmm. So uh, doing that weakens obviously the Nazi control. And increases the resistance. Mm-hmm. So it's just a nice thing that once you've finished and you're now all powered up, mm-hmm. it's not like you just have to disregard all those skills that you've learned, all the new stuff. Because midway through the midway through the game, you undergo a change, shall we say, mm-hmm. and you get more abilities. You unlock loads more stuff. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't just throw those all away. You get to use them. And in fact, you actually get to build on the abilities that you chose mm-hmm. at the mid part of the game and get all of them. So it's quite a smart late or mm-hmm. end game state. And there's, there's more, um, but there is more kind of like single player content not coming I think isn't there because yeah, like there's so. um, there's uh, oh, what, was, what was I talking about what was the thing there's DLC planned where you play as different characters as well like different personalities in the resistance supposedly that makes sense given the hub world and mm-hmm. given that you'll be in I quite places. like the idea of Wolfenstein with the hub world and and I know I was. What you mean, Homefront? <laughs> Homefront's good. Actually, I quite like Homefront. Do you know what? Actually, Homefront too is sort of, I, I guess, a, a kind of a bedfellow of the modern Wolfenstein games, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways, but uh, you know. Well, that, I mean, it's got whole, a lot of the same mechanics. Yeah. You take and, out commanders yeah, and and um, hostile kind of foreign force uh, taking yeah. over and subjugating the US, etc. Um, but I, I, I really like that idea. And you know what? Um, once you've kind of done the story and stuff um, of those Wolfenstein games, the actual, it's one of these ones where it's like like Doom. Um, I, I felt the same about Rage as well, where the actual, the second to second uh, gameplay loop with the shooting, it just feels good to shoot a gun in that game. So yeah. like, you know, I, I'll happily like, even, even if, I tell you what, even if they just... Like, listen, just just give me a load of fucking corridors full of Nazis and don't put any dialogue in it. I'll, I'll give me just some procedurally generated fucking. In fact, do you know what? Do you know what? Just let me play the entirety of the original game, but with the new kind of engine. Remember how the um, the Wolfenstein 3D levels were in uh, the New Order, mm-hmm. where it was like it was the old uh, assets and stuff, but you still had. Your new um, gun and hand. You, you could you you still had your proper kind of mm. uh, PlayStation Four gun. <laughs> you know what? Just give me the whole fucking first game like that as DLC. I'll pay, I'll give. Bethesda. Did you say this is with a light gun? The first one in uh, the New Order. There was various levels from. I think actually in the New Order there's only one level from it, wasn't it? No, no, light the one we gun. played. Yeah, uh, which was Wolfenstein 3D, the '92 one. Yeah, you uh, in the New Order, you can go to sleep, and Blaskowitz has a nightmare. But he's in the old levels. Yeah. But he has still his PlayStation 4 hand. So he has his own hand and gun because that's mm-hmm. his, you know. It's difficult to explain when I paint it. But you, no, I get that. I just thought you said that one of them had light guns. As in no, the old, what are we talking the, about? The, no. No. Must have been you can't a different... use light guns anymore on um, HGTVs. Can't do it. So no, it was the past, wasn't it? When it was good. The past Time was, crisis the and shit. Was better. Look, speaking of the past, speaking of the past, I also played Call of Duty. The past was bad. Call of Duty, well, this past was bad. Call of Duty World War II. Mm-hmm. So uh, it has a Normandy beach landing level, and that opening when you're on the uh, boat or whatever it is, kind of coming in to Normandy Beach, is incredible in terms of how it looks and sounds. The sound is really, really good. <clears throat> you need to lend me this. So far, like it looks. <clears throat> I know it sounds a bit like a bit games journalism, like oh, it'll blow your brains out, but it does look so, so good, even on a box stand PS4. Uh, I know there's some trickery, obviously, because all it's rendering is essentially the people in the boat, and you can't move your head that much. 
So it's not like you can look behind you and look out across the skybox or whatever. But it's fantastic. The rest of the game so far is a bit kind of by the numbers Call of Duty. You go here, checkpoint this, there's a sniping bit, there's a turret bit, there's a vehicle bit. But it all looks so fucking good and sounds so good, you know, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I mean, look, I played it and I was certain that I was going to annoy the neighbour, which is good because we've had a fallen out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, this guy's noisy all the time. So I just cranked the sound system up and all you could hear for about four hours out of the games room was, boom, 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 boom. Mantel, grenade, boop, 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 boop. I was like, this is going to piss everyone off. I loved it. There you go. You lend him Call of Duty World War Two. You lend me Wolfenstein 2. Mm-hmm. And I'll lend you like uh, Terminator 2 or something. Well, there you go. All the twos. All the twos. Yeah. Speaking of twos, let's get to the questions. I still think you'll you'll start playing Wolfenstein 2 and you'll be like, oh, fuck, I wish I'd play the first game. Yeah, but you could play it after. What? You can, but then you'll have played the second game, so you're like, well, I know where this goes now. Yeah, but you can still do that. Or maybe I will play Wolfenstein then. Are they not still three ninety nine each on uh, PSN? I'll just give you my PlayStation login. You can play it through that. Naughty. Oh, cheeky. There you yeah, go. that is well naughty. No, it's not. I'm entitled to do that. Don't try and get me to, to heel turn. <laughs> Listen, can we... Uh, all right, anyone listening, just don't tell Sony about that. <laughs> don't tell Sony that. Listen, answer the question. Stop exacerbating the problem here. Yeah. All right, moving on to films for, for a wee bit. Sean Cleaver asks, what's your weirdest moments in movies? Uh, some of his are the British Rail Joke and Die Hard 2, which is a good one. A cut in 2001. Uh, what? The, the, we're like British, uh, British Rail Love. We may be late, but we'll, we'll, we'll get you we'll there. We'll get the job done. Or we'll get, we'll yeah. get you there. Yeah. Was that cut in 2001? Would you say that? No, 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 no. He's, he's saying, talking about the cut in 2001. Oh, sorry. Oh, with the, the match cut. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant they cut it for So the match cut with the, uh, the, the, the the monkey chucks a stick in the air, and then it's like, well, how is that weird? I don't know, that's weird. That's, that's, just, that's just, just like a really good nice one. Cut. I'll tell you what's even weirder is the ceiling match. Ceiling fan. Yeah, yeah. What's even weirder is the match cut in Lawrence of Arabia, because it's like, because there's actually a match in the first shot, as in a flaming match. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, yeah, yeah. it's a visual pun and you're like fuck's sake <laughs> listen lean shut the fuck up and start telling the story from A to B the uh, an elaborate visual pun it's like excuse me how much fucking money went into this film for yeah. you to dick about with your fucking art school fucking puns yeah just this, the, you know, this is all we do now is elaborate visual puns <laughs> uh, the, one of the weirdest moments of a, a recent movie is from the absolutely breathtakingly brilliant Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans by Van Herzog 2009 which has an entire sequence which appears to be uh, shot from the sequence of an iguana uh, yeah from their point of view yeah from well their, not kind of the well, well not, not their visual the, yeah. but in their you know their, in their the spirit the spirit imagine you're an iguana or some other lizard I don't know I don't know the difference you've got to be Werner Herzog to get away with that shit yeah and so they're investigating I, if you haven't seen the Bad Lieutenant well kind of quasi remake sequel mm-hmm. see it if you want to see uh, Harvey Keitel's penis see the original one by Abel Ferrara but this if one if you want to see Nicolas Cage doing some of the good acting rather than the fucking Ghost Rider it's, shite it's one of those movies where you're reminded that Nicolas Cage is in fact an incredible actor he is incredible I know this he's is also a- really good at forward roles <laughs> What's that on? What show is it? Is it Parky? Where he does a forward roll? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one a great of the, advert it's one for of the, cocaine, yeah. allegedly. <laughs> hey, listen. We don't know that. We don't know that. And we would never say that. But In fact, I don't even know what cocaine is. Yeah, exactly. I think it was an Eric Clapton song. <laughs> so, yeah. The, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. Just just Google Bad, Bad Lieutenant Iguana or Lizard and you'll get there. But it perfectly sums up the kind of ethos of the movie, which is set ostensibly in reality but weird shit keeps on happening particularly the ending where you're like is this real is this and the whole uh, many moments in the movie you're going is this a dream sequence then you think who fucking cares it looks great sounds great and it generally is great well let's stick with Nicolas Cage and move on to the worst lines well the question actually from Malcolm is worst lines in great films but we're just going to put that out to worst lines because one of them is of course Nicolas Cage in Wicker Man Killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey or some shit mm. like that. God, that film's so bad. It's fucking I masterpiece. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because it was it was just so fucked up. Massively bad. Like, hugely bad. But I was like, yeah, fair enough. I mean, obviously, Jiggly, is it called? Giggly, wow. Jiggly? Jiggly. Jiggly? I mean, who cares? Turkey time, gobble, gobble. I mean, I think someone put that in the script just to see if they could get away with it. 
Because it's fucking awful. There are some lines that I mean that is that is just genuinely awful. But there are some lines that in certain in certain hands can be delivered well or can have a bit of wryness to them, a bit of winking at the audience. Yeah, that's that, fine. Uh, that that film hasn't earned that. It's just shit. Exactly. That's the difference, isn't it? Well, then you got to go to all the Bond films. I mean, start Christmas on the comes early once a myself. Year. He's attempting re-entry. Uh, fucking hell. That's my lunch. That's actually a good one. Which was, I think, in Spy Hard as well. They just kind of just had both the same thing. Like, oh, we thought the same joke every lads. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Fuck. Maybe one of the worst lines ever in, yeah. in film history. Yeah. So I mean, is the question not worst lines in great films? Right? Well, yeah, the, the only one that is a great movie is... Have I fallen asleep? <laughs> the only one that is actually a line I don't like in a great movie is for American Beauty... Well, there's the, sometimes there's too much beauty in the world I feel like I can't take it with the floating mm. bag which is a bit too corny for me the film is good and that shot's beautiful but that's a bit too on the, the film nose. itself is almost a rebuttal of that sort of uh, yeah uh, which perfectly skewered when Family Guy was good yeah, yeah. I mean but yeah but you can't watch American Beauty anymore can you so um, let's not go well, into we'll it mm-hmm. so yeah yeah. The- oh, actually, actually Malcolm puts one forward he still can't believe the cop at the start of the Matrix says Juris my diction that's yeah. not a bad line that's a fucking good yeah, line yeah but they're, they're they're cops cops are you know yeah, macho that's a good line that's I mean look perfect, if I was a cop perfect copper dialogue exactly yeah? exactly although speaking of uh, the way you've used the word copper there but mm-hmm. you know they don't usually use that in America but mm-hmm. in Beavis and Butthead, there is a perfect parody of cops called Coppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so find the episode, just go. You, you know, you know how Google works. Yeah, just go and watch. I think oh, it, I also have a memory and and grew up in the nineties, so I know exactly what you're talking exactly. about. Oh, well, okay, we'll stick so, with the fucking nineties then, won't we? Was so it nineties when did Star Trek: Next Generation start? Uh, Eighty-seven. Oh yeah, just <laughs> near enough, isn't it? <laughs> well, Nathan says, "What's your favourite Star Trek: The Next Generation episode?" I'm going to get in with the only ones I can remember really. Okay. Before you dive in, which is "Who Watches the Watches," which is a really good one about the Prime Directive mm-hmm. and how excellent that she is Robocop. as an idea. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm Johnny Picard becomes God. I'm the one where they first meet the Borg. With the Q. Q one, yeah, okay, yeah, they're my two that really stick in they're my memory. All, they're all really, they're, they're both very good. And then the rest is just like Riker riding chairs and his chest hair and Johnny Picard being fucking lad. I mean, you know, it's mad as well how like Picard seemed to get as much fucking shagging done as Riker did in that show, which is bizarre. But anyway, excuse me, he's a very good looking man. He's a very good looking man, but he's also the big fucking baldy bastard who runs the ship. <laughs> Supposed to like, yeah, delegation, mate. Exactly, he's not actually in the fucking engine room. Remember when they make him space coal into the fucking thing? Is it? He's just about to ask Burns if he remembers something from Next Gen, which is obviously folly. Yeah, I've seen, Um, I've seen an episode Next Gen. Excuse me, no, you haven't. Right. uh, So my favourite episode of Next Gen is called Starship Mine. Um, It's a it's a Picard focused episode, and it is essentially is a it's basically Die Hard. Um, the ship is in uh, is in dock, getting uh, stuff done to it, and everyone's on the fucking planet on holiday while the ship gets fixed up, and terrorists try to steal it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or rather, they try to steal uh, a certain. It's not important. They try to steal like a, a, an engineering byproduct that can be used as explosives, right? Um, Space coal. <laughs> and the setup is that everyone's on the planet. Somebody's like, oh, "Do you want a?" there's some nice riding trails on this planet do you want to and Picard's like I've forgotten my saddle and then he fucks off back to the ship to get his saddle oh because he just has a saddle yeah, right? he's got a saddle but the only reason he's doing that is because he can't stand the officer who's in charge of the planet base so he's like right I'll, I'll listen I'll tell him I need to go and get my saddle and I'll fuck off for a couple of hours back to the ship mm. so he does that uh, but while he's there he finds out that these uh, terrorists posing as technicians have taken over the ship and then he has to fucking die hard his way around fucking icing them all and oh, uh, mate, it's really send good send me the link to the episode sounds it's, amazing it's a fantastic episode that's why I look I mean being in the writers room of that show must have been a lot of fun because he'd be like oh you know what? I've always wanted to write something set in World War 2 great well let's just say they go on the holodeck they get stuck and we'll have two episodes and yeah. shooting the shit through start through World War Two. Yeah, and then right. and but that and that literally happened in Star Trek Voyager, and they were the two worst episodes of all time. So keep your ideas to yourself. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of basically. World War Two scenes, in I've one seen of, that episode. In one of the cuts of Highlander, there yeah. is a scene that is was removed on some of the home video and 
subsequently DVD yeah. and streaming releases. So his secretary, uh, Conor McLeod's secretary in mm-hmm. the 80s, is, well, how old would she be? I think she's about 50-something. Okay. And um, he says that he has to go. And she knows that he's immortal. And she knows this because he rescued her from the Germans in World War Two. And it includes a scene where he's, I think he's in France, and he's carrying this, young, uh, she's a young girl, obviously, at that point. Mm-hmm. And a Nazi officer shoots him in the back and he falls on top of her, protecting her. And she, he kind of wakes up and she says, you're alive. And he says, it's a kind of magic. I mean, this entire scene is, is up to that point, it's dreadful. Uh, and then he stands up and the Germans start shouting, you know, essentially you should be dead, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, oh, essentially something along the lines of, oh, if you're, um, uh, he wrestles the gun from him and he says, oh, well, you should uh, just kill me. And he says, uh, and Colin McLeod says, whatever you say, Jack, you're the master race, just blows him away. But in some oh, of the cuts of the movie, amazing. that's not that's not in. It's, she just says, "Oh, I've known you for a long time now," and then shoot the fucking Nazi. No, but that, I don't think the entire scene happens. She All just right. says, "Oh, I can't believe you're going," and he says, "I have to because my car, but his name has been blown. The police are investigating, so he needs to move somewhere." And because you know he's immortal, mm-hmm. what are they going to do? They'll be like, "Shit." Yeah, you'd have to get like get a new fucking social security number every. Well, I like how they get around that in the movie. They actually explain how he exists in what was modern society. That he takes the name of someone who's died at birth, and so won't have any real paper trail following that. But they have a birth date from when the age that he's meant to be in whatever era it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, uh, they literally changed the law because of that book. Yeah, fucking thanks. Whoever, what's his name? <laughs> he's in the Rolex ads. Ah, uh, Forsyth. Is it Forsyth? Yeah, he's in the Rolex Bruce. ads. The other one. Not <laughs> John. What's, what's even happening no, here? Isn't it the Day of the Jackal? Is that that one with Richard Gere? He was in the remake, which was called The Jackal. Yeah. With uh, Sir Bruce Willis. Yeah, but it's not. He plays IRA man. Yeah. No, next question. Frederick Forsyth. Talking of the IRA, you seen that? um, (laughs) That's not meant to be the (laughs) fucking hell. That's that's not meant to be the punchline. (laughs) No, the uh, you seen that 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 film? I don't know if it's out or if it's coming out, but the the Jackie Chan versus the IRA film that's coming, which is what? Oh yeah, and um... so it's Jackie Chan. And I think, like, is, I don't know, the, the, the ra- do a car bomb in London and his daughter gets killed. The foreigner. The foreigner, that's it. And he's like, uh, right, I'm going I'm to have to kill the IRA now. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of the sub. And Pierce Rosen's in it as not Jerry Adams. Yeah, I mean... Wait, why have I not seen this film? It sounds amazing. <laughs> so, um, is that... That's not from the actual script, is it? Possibly not. So, yeah. I mean, I mean also, people can't also, see this what is you're talking about. Fucking it's not television, lads. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Just for, for, for reference. <laughs> Dave is now reading an article about the film on the Irish Times website. Oh, uh, there we they, go. They appear to have an excerpt from the script, but I think it's a parody. I would imagine so. So, yeah. So, that's, uh, so that's interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Purely because it's just it's absurd. But then again, 2017 is the year of the absurd. So um, I don't know where you get that from. I mean, it makes perfect sense that there'd be a film that is essentially Jackie Chan versus the IRA. Yeah, can't wait for Brooker's fucking end of year wipe this year. Oh my goodness! He thought last year you went to what? shit. He's going to have so much ammunition. I, if I was him, I'd just be like, I'm not doing it. Yeah, just not doing it this year. I mean, how would you fucking? Distill this fucking shit. It's just an entire hour of a dog straining to curl out a massive shit. Right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Which was also you similar. Should, you should contact Zepatron and be like, "Listen, I've done it." Yeah. <laughs> similar to the opening of Piss Morning, which uh, had a dog uh, pissing. Yeah. Which is well ahead of its time, Piss Morning. I feel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love, I mean, man, that fucking. We only image. did two episodes, but everyone's convinced we did like ten. And exactly. like, everyone else thinks that we're conscious. <laughs> yeah. But, I remember episode nine. So I've, I've Steve had three eyes. I've seen people complaining, you know, in recent times about like, oh, you know, it's a pity they don't do things like Piss Morning anymore. That was a great show. And it's like, we hang on, we did it twice and nobody fucking watched it. What's so- that psychological <laughs> thing, though? The Mandela effect. The Mandela effect, that's it. But uh, yeah, there, there are people who you would swear blind we did it for 10, 11 We weeks. did. We did. We had, we had Michael Jackson on one so, of them, didn't we? It was really big on uh, Sky Arts, wasn't it, for a while? <laughs> Anyway, Philip Backass, which two movie stars would you like to have for parents? I mean, fucking Jean-Luc Picard's I mean, in there, isn't he, right? I want Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Sloan to be my adopted dads, and they argue about who had better careers. 
That's, that's a sitcom. It's yeah. like Two and a Half Men. Well, I've got Patrick Stewart and uh, Dame Judi Dench, so fuck you. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fine. It's pretty strong, isn't it? Uh, or maybe I, just the Obamas, that'd be good. The they're Obamas. not movie stars, but I mean, yeah, they probably they're, will they're, be. They're stars. Uh, what's her name? Alain Delon and Charlotte Rampling. Imagine how good <gasps> you'd look. Yeah. You'd look unbelievable. No, Jessica Walter and fucking anyone I don't care because she's so amazing. You'd just be brilliant. There you go. There you go. But Alain yeah. Delon. But the thing is with Delon, don't listen, Alain, if you're listening. If you are, call me. But the thing with him is that he was the world's greatest ever looking person until he was about 35 and then he just melted. Jessica Walter and Warren Beatty. There you go. I've got the, the fucking jawline. I look incredible and I've got the best sense of humour ever. I mean, sure, you might say that to me all the time now, Steve. Well, but Dave, with those I mean, two. Warren, and also he looked great. He, here's the thing. Delon looked great until about 40-ish. Mm-hmm. Warren Beatty looked fucking brilliant until he was about 65. <laughs> you know, and then he went... Well, I've done all the shagging now. Like, literally, he completed shagging. <laughs> but then, you know, got all the trophies. Planner. He literally has completed shagging. <laughs> he had to retire. The, the, only way, the only way he actually got older was when he realised that he didn't need to be young anymore to do all the... So he went, fuck it. <laughs> Fine. Jim, come on, what's yours? Oh, fucking hell, I don't know. George Clooney and Carrie Fisher. I mean, solid choice. Ooh, solid. Solid. Very, very solid. You, you want his genes to look like him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the only time he started looking tired is just when he's had a kid. Before that, he just looked like he was fucking immortal. Yeah. And, you know, and, and think, I think they were much closer in age than one would assume, right? They were, weren't they? I'm pretty sure he's like, he, isn't he in his mid-50s? And she, died, yeah, yeah. she died at like 63. Like, he's, he's got to be like 57, 8 now. Yeah. They're, they're pretty maybe, maybe No, actually, I think he's about 54. Yeah. I mean, oh, she, I mean she's a bit older, but not that much. No, not, no. Not, not to the point where it would be out of the question. Definitely. Definitely not, mate. So, no, yeah, I think because I think she would have been, I think... I, I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating some of the some of the personal struggles in in her life. But I reckon she would have been an amazing mum, and she she was brilliant and she was funny. And well, she seems uh, to do very well in that regard. Speaks yeah. incredibly highly of her. Yeah, I mean, she was amazing. She was. I mean, she, she was mates with Stephen Fry. And, yeah. and she, Stephen Fry be good dad as well, wouldn't he? And eh? Robert Mugabe still lives. Next question. Well, this is it. I mean, no, but so what was that fucking like, was, I don't. I don't mean the sense of like, why would you be mates with Stephen Fry? I mean, like, you wouldn't expect her to be really good mates with Stephen Fry because she, she was good mates with. You, uh, you would expect them to be beautiful. You would expect them to be moving in different circles. Yeah, James, James Blunt. Blunt. James yeah, Blunt. Yeah, and he she, does seem like a solid guy. He actually does seem all right. But she was she was mates with everyone. Like, and everyone loved her. And yeah, so I, I would love to have been related to her. And I would love to have. Uh... Well, we did. We did have a a, a CGI version of Carrie Fisher. Yeah. At the at the end of her life. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't. Which... I wouldn't like the. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like the CGI version being my mum. Well, be, no, because that'd be weird. I don't think there would be much nurturing. How would parents' there. evening work? Yeah. You'd have because, to have a green screen. Because you know, she wouldn't be able to do anything unless a team of forty animators made it happen. So like, like, you know, they'd have to imagine your house. Have the little, mm. Just like my, yeah. me right now, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, but Kruger. you know what, what? I think the ideal setup would be is uh, George Clooney is your father, and he's kind of fucked off when you're about four, because you know um, and he's just he's just deposited his good looks into your into your genome and left. And you know you, you're still polite and everything, but you you know you just don't live with him. And then you're raised by Carrie Fisher. I think that would have been the ideal setup. All right, fine. So, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. There we go. Fair enough. Well, I mean. <laughs> I've, I've, already wow. said, I've already said mine. Yeah, this question yeah. is finished. Well, well, yeah, that's why I was segueing in where we had a CGI Carrie Fisher to talk about the worst special effects well, in a big budget a movie early, from Tom Charnock, but fucking he windmilled in again, didn't he? Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, uh, worst, raised by a, worst effects. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. the worst special effects in a big budget movie mm-hmm. are the Alien 3 CGI. CG. There's yeah, a, that an amazing... So is it Alec Gillis and... Tom Woodruff Jr. from uh-huh. I think it's Amalgamated Dynamics in the absolutely incredible making of Alien Three, which is just indispensable mm-hmm. for how to fuck up the sequel to a movie that two movies that everyone loves. There is a moment. Well, I mean, yeah. well, I love it, but still, there is a moment where the special effects team talk about the puppet version of it being different to the CGI version. Yeah which in itself is different to the man in the suit version. Oh God. And because it went through so many different designs mm-hmm. and was it going to come out of the ox? Was it going to come out of the dog? Oh, well, who fucking cares? Because, you know, no one's going to go down to the biology of the dog versus the ox, are they? are not going to go, well, actually, the, bi- uh, the, 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 the pedal movement of this. Uh, but they said that it turned up on 
uh, the guy in the, uh, the puppet turned up and it didn't have the right amount of, you know, it's got those vents, the like tentacle mm-hmm. sort of thing like on its back. And I, well, the CGI version is different. So, and um, the CGI version, we spent a lot of money. So it's going to be front and center. And then we're going to have shots of it in a puppet form looking completely different. Oh, well, fuck it. The entire Seems movie like the shot. Type of thing you'll nail down, doesn't yeah. it? But I suppose a lot of it, as we discussed on our commentary of Alien, which you haven't listened to, go do that now. Yeah. Well, not right now, doing about 25 minutes. It is the fact that it changes shape a lot of the time and is always, I mean, it's, it's and in a day it goes from the face hugger to the... Yeah. But the, the I mean, this was, well, even as an adult, it changes mm. its look. But the CGI to make it, uh, like the stuff that they, they did where they had the camera where it was from its vision, which was roaming around the walls and ceilings, was really good. It doesn't quite play with the canon in that the canon is it can't actually really see. It's like mm-hmm. uh, echolocation. But who cares? Whatever. But this thing being different is the sort of thing, as you say, Dave, that you your special effects teams should have probably nailed down. But that's the changing nature of the uh, of the production. I mean, and that sounded like an easy production to work on. So I don't know why they didn't nail it down straight away. Yeah, it's an alien, famously yeah. easy production. Yeah. Alien Three. Alien Three. I mean, I mean, everything else went well. What mm-hmm. the fuck were they doing? Uh, have anyone seen uh, Mindhunter on the uh, on the topic of Mr. David Fincher? Mm-hmm. I've not seen it, but I think I like it because it stars like a I'll, lot of people who I'll, are mad all the time. I watched the first episode, and the main character is uh, an impeccably dressed uh, oh fuck you've just taken full on the Burns role you've not even just taken the heel did he have a nice watch Jim tell us about his watch I'm explaining to to Burns why he would like it because the main character is an impeccably dressed dickhead essentially which is which is you so Thank you very um, much. I appreciate that the uh, cast is absolutely the, the cast is terrible I'm a big fan of Anna Torf as well uh, Holt McCanley or McCanley yeah. he, he is Excellent. The guy who plays the mad fucking serial yes. killer. Yes. Uh, so he's a real serial killer that they've based they based all of his dialogue. Like when the actor was, was like, shit, that's <laughs> taking it <laughs> Fair enough. Well far. Fair enough. But no, the, the character is... Oh uh, yeah, they're all real serial a, killers. A real serial killer. Uh, the, the one they, they talk to, but the whole, his portrayal is really, really close and it's terrifyingly close. And it's... Because uh, you can watch a lot of the... A lot of the interviews, you know, um, with this guy. Uh, that, IRL. Uh, I'm fascinated with that profiling of serial killers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's because you're a fucking calls. wrong and annoying. No, yeah, the thing wrong is, though, like... Oh, yeah, also, he is a wrong one. Just, just to interject here, David's father called earlier, and he called him by his first name. He didn't even do that. He called him Malky. I said, all right, Malky, Malk. <laughs> I mean, that... That's exactly how he speaks. That is just... It's, it's frankly unbelievable. Can you imagine that? Imagine the head kicks you'd be receiving up and down this high street if you fucking it's tried that. Like, like, like me with you, he's just you know, learned to tune <laughs> my voice out. Honestly. When you I... mimicked his voice, because I, I, I could hear him, because uh, you're staying quite close to me, I could hear him. And, and fairness, Dave, the voice, your, your, no, your version not... of his was good. But the fact that you said it as if you were taking the piss out of Peter Kay, and then he just carried on talking as <laughs> if... You know, the signal and noise is just getting completely delineated here. I, I don't know. I'm not listening to yeah. anything he says, really. That's, I mean, that's, if, I, if I ever called my dad by his first name instead of calling him dad, I think I'd be written out the fucking will. You're not in that fucking will anyway. Yeah. yeah, but your dad also has a very cool first name, so I'd want to be called by Vito. Yeah. Mate. He's You're fucking... so Welsh. Exactly. But, but, I'm <laughs> but I'm not allowed to call him Vito because yeah. as far as I'm concerned, as far as he's concerned, he's like, listen, I leathered lots and lots of time and money into your upbringing. I deserve to be addressed by my proper fucking Lord title. Trinker. <laughs> yeah, or father. or. Uh... But yeah, you know what? I'm the same because if Mia started calling me, me, calling me Jamie, which I don't like anyway... Yeah, I'd but you like, introduce yourself as that, don't you? What? Introduce myself as Jamie. No, yeah. I don't. Excuse me. I remember when I first saw, firstly, the email address for some of your stuff is Jamie fucking Trinker. So yeah. don't start with that. It's on official record. Yeah, but that's like, that, that's professional. I don't like, but that, that's... Your that's, name is that's, Jim Trinker. That's formal, but then informally, I like to be called... I don't like to be addressed as anything, actually. Just, yeah, fucking, just look at me and start talking. I don't get people to address me as the lead Stephen William Burns, do I? I don't, I don't, I don't get them to do that. Yeah. Because I'm just a nice guy, so it's Steve Burns, I'll do. I just I, I don't like I don't like Jamie as a, I don't like the name. I've heard, I've heard it too often. Jamie Lee Curtis. 
Go on, have a go at her, Jim, as well. I'm not going to have a go at have her. I've got one of the finest actresses in fucking Hollywood. I think God. she's great. I've got, I'm very fond of her. Yeah, fuck you. Right, but, next you know, question. She probably likes it, but it doesn't Fair suit enough. me. Fair enough. So that was uh, the worst special effects <laughs> in a big rigid movie. I don't have an opinion fuck on that. It, <laughs> Honestly. Oh, what's the rock in where he looks? Is it The Mummy Returns or something? Oh, Scorpion King. Scott, oh, oh, the wow, Scorpion. Yeah, that, that is. Actually, that's, that's like a PS1. Yeah, that. Well, it's not. Low budget game. It's really fucking bad. Yeah, yeah. The skin tones are crazy bad in there. Like, it just looks like leather. To it looks like Hulk Hogan. To be fair, though, I mean, it was it was quite. It was. It wasn't fucking that early, mate. Before you started. It wasn't. No, no, no. It. I want, it wasn't early. It was sort of at the midpoint in the development was of CGI. But it was. It wasn't that far on in our exploration of the uncanny valley, should we say? Yeah, that, that's. So, true. like, actually, because we we still can't do people now. So, you know, doing people then was really fucking difficult. People now, you Unless can... You're you know, you're my advice there is, yeah. don't do it. In 2017, exactly. in, 20, in 2016, in 2016, right, we had, we had a film which had a fucking massive budget, probably. I don't know, it was Star Wars, right? So we had two uh, CGI, uh, pe- CGI creations standing in for real people and mm-hmm. acting alongside real people. And that is a Star Wars film with a Star Wars budget in 2016, and it still looked fucking crap. I don't think it looked crap. So I, 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 I think that the, the thing to do there was to... It looked, to it, it hope looked, was fine. Bang, and you're out. Having entire conversations just, just felt yeah, weird. Yeah, discretion is the better part of valor there, isn't it? You, you could just use snapshots of them rather than yeah. a full-on, I'm Shoot talking to you. I don't even yeah. mean, like... Look, I don't even mean, like... I mean, the the, the workmanship on it is incredible. And, yeah. like, they... So, I know a lot of people who worked on that movie. So much... Including Dave Mills. So much money and, and time and, and talent went into making um, the, the, the CGI fucking Peter Cushing, for example, right? But like it, it still doesn't hold up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like a real person. It looks. It's incredible you know, for what it is. That's the thing. It's yeah, incredible but we, but for that's what the it uncanny is. Uncanny Valley. We know that yeah. it's not. It's incredible for what it is. And you know what? There are a couple of shots where you're convinced, especially yeah. when they stay out, uh, when they're not fucking putting a fill light right on the fucking thing's face. <laughs> basically, digital fill. Switch yeah. it on. Switch your eyes. I mean, that that's what pissed me off. Actually, it was like if you if you stopped fucking blasting the fucking three D model with light, you would have well got away with it. Yeah, if he was just standing behind Vader. Yeah, like yeah. he does in the Slightly and also shadow. Also, or, he yeah. lives on the fucking Death Star. There's no lights in the fucking thing anyway. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so uh, I, I wouldn't have a go at the Scorpion King, although you are right, it did look bollocks. What were we talking about? I don't know, I think we've gone completely yeah, mad. If it was Peter Cushing as the Scorpion King. <laughs> Honestly, if it was 30 years before, it probably would have been, <laughs> given, his, uh, given his output. Yeah. Right, come on now, let's get this, let's get this thing fucking wrapped up with some questions. We've, only, right. we've only been recording for 25 minutes, Burns. No, we haven't. Yeah, we have. No, we haven't. We have. No, we haven't. I'm telling you, it fucking says here, no. 25 minutes. No, this is going to be split into two parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex asks, why do only good films get remakes? Because because they've charted. No, I'm, I'm 100% with Alex here. Like, you, so, I mean, the, the question continues in, in the sense that what, what films had a good premise which was fucked in the execution? The phrase he uses is "fipped it." Let's point that out. Yeah. Fucking hell! I mean, that's that's. A I'm blast just putting in your past. language, isn't it, Jim? Uh, they, you know, they. That's a blast from the past. Um, uh, LA Takedown is one of the ones that usually bring up LA Takedown, which became Heat. So that was remade by the same director. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the, the, that's a do-over, though. That's not quite the same. I think thing, this is more getting at there's, there's what like there are films that have got good premises that aren't executed properly why are they not remaking them rather than going you know what we should do we should remake Citizen Kane yeah but no but the built in because the shit film didn't make any fucking money yeah exactly the built in yeah because it wasn't executed correctly yeah but that's then we're into Ouroboros style yeah but no I'm I'm 100% with Alex here and you're both fucking wrong and I'll tell you why because obviously the good film executed it Right in the first place, so you don't I'm need saying. to redo it. Well, I think the the Lars von Tr- not Lars von Trier. Who did who did Psycho? Um, mm. can, can you see? I'm busy, Ben. Uh, oh, Gus van Sant. Gus van Sant. Exactly. The van threw everyone. Well, because it, I mean, it, it's essentially it's like uh, it's the same argument for why why, why do fucking Simon Cowell's acts always do a cover of a song that's popular like, shut up no, that's what totally totally different different going, it's not a totally to the different toilet, thing then I'm going well, to the pub why does he do that instead of covering fucking Agadoo well I mean it's 
listen. Yeah, but I could do. It was a hit. So have you? Hang on. Are you just fucking leaving the room now? Yes. So, so you've booted the mic stand and then fucked off to the t- gee the, the, the level of professionalism. Let's do the next question. Let's do the next fucking question. You can hear him well. cackling like a little witch yeah, in exactly. the other room. I mean, I'm sorry about that, listeners, because he's... Uh, we'll just turn his mic off from now on. That's the height of fucking... Actually, on another note, Special Gun is recruiting. If, uh... <laughs> I'm actually, I might just mute his mic when, <laughs> when he comes in, mid-word. Um, All right, Jim. Right. Uh, Saran asks, mm-hmm. what video game adaptations would be better suited... Oh, sorry, would video game adaptations be better suited to TV rather than films? Um, and depends on the game, really, doesn't it? It does depend, but you know, I think there's, you know, I think that I think there's something in that because I think a lot of the problem that film adaptations of video games have is that sometimes you're trying to distill a very specific and very kind of deep experience into like a ninety-minute film mm-hmm. on, you know, ninety minutes in a completely different medium. So like the the, the problems with translating the two things are vast. Or you're trying to take something that's actually quite basic and quite a simple premise and expand it like the Super Mario Brothers movie. Like they basically had to oh, invent but I mean, what a fuckload of tedious lore. thing to put but, to film. But like, I think like imagine I mean, like a Fallout film, a Fallout TV series. I could see that working. Fallout, I would put as a TV series. Yeah, yeah. Uncharted, I'd put as a film. Yeah, I mean that should just basically be an Indiana Jones, a good Indiana Jones film. Yeah. Tomb Raider could work as both, though. I think you could do a whole TV series on Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider could be a TV show easily, I reckon. Um, I think a lot of it comes down whether you've got a a character that you really want to explore, in which case mm -hmm. TV lends itself to having more hours with that character than than film. But yeah, I mean, why have we not had one that works yet? What have we had? Doom? Doom, I think Doom might be the best one. No, the original Silent Hill movie. Nah, that's crap. Uh, Sorry... Doom? Yeah, Doom's rubbish, but it's just fun. Uh, the best... Well, just watch, Jacob's, favorite La- thing just about watch Jacob's Ladder. Favourite thing about Doom? Yeah, well, obviously, that's an actually just brilliant Doom, film. the film, the entire thing should have been in first person, right? And they should have found a way to do that and be clever about what, it. What, like Russian art? Rather than fucking 90 minutes of fucking cutting about, like, being angry at each other in a locker room and then, like, a 15-minute sequence of first-person fucking shooty-bang... Which probably now just looks like a PS3 game because it was quite. A it's while totally ago. silly, but at least it's not. I, I I just don't think Resident Evil and Silent Hill films. No, the, no. The thing is, here's what you got to remember. The point of what the games are about. Yeah, here's what you got to remember. There can't be a good Doom movie unless there's literally no dialogue. Well, isn't that that one where they said they never watch video games? What's it called? Oh, Hardcore Henry. Hardcore Henry. <laughs> no, no, never, never played any video Hardcore games. Hardcore Henry. Excuse me. Yeah, we're not into video games. Excuse me. This fucking film has an end-level boss at the end of a series of platforms. <laughs> Fuck off. Maybe they're just aware of video games. Like no, we're, we're not into video games. Like I'm aware of pianos. Oh, no, you're not into video games. One of, the, one of the characters in this shows up in various different outfits and it does, in fact, turn out to be essentially a series of NPCs. That, enti- that is video games the movie, mm. Hardcore Henry. But, uh, and it's fucking terrible. It's good, though. So. Well, there you go. It's terrible, but it's good. Yeah. More film reviews like that from Trinko. Well, excuse me. I'm, I'm a very nuanced person. I'm full of contradictions and, uh, and complexities. You're not a nuanced person. I am a nuanced person. You're not. You like Star Trek. I am. A, I'm a, yeah, I like Star Trek, but I also think about... I also like Stargate, so... Yeah. Oh, I, I like enough. Star sorry, Trek. Sorry, I retract my statement. I also think 54% of Star Trek is fucking terrible, so... It's quite an accurate you know, percentage. That's, in, that's, it's nuanced. I bet you like Charmed as well, don't you? It's a nuanced percentage, isn't it? I don't like Charmed at all. I don't ever like Charmed. I well, was made to watch it a couple of times. No, yeah. Going back to Boiling the Old Piss, yeah. James says the best director's cut is obviously Ridley's Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> apparently, apparently, it's really good. Pity it was ruined by Bloom in Delete. This is his word for word. Which bad casting really boiled your piss? Why have you got an apostrophe in your? Well, I don't know. And you're asking James, who can't respond, can he? Because he mean, hasn't got a fucking I mean, I microphone. Am, no, I might, I, might have been, I might have been... In fact, I wasn't even looking at you. I'm looking at his name and addressing him. <laughs> That's sure to resolve itself soon. So, you, know, you know. Well, he'll listen to it and get back to us, presumably. The, so, so bad casting in good movies mm-hmm. uh, is The Godfather Part 3, when Winona Ryder drops out the last minute and mm-hmm. Sophia Coppola goes mm. in as... Uh, 
Don Corleone's Michael Corleone's yeah. daughter. Does redeem herself a bit with Lost in Translation, etc. Yeah, that's not the same movie. That is not the same movie. That no. also the hot that sequence with Andy Garcia. Face turns going well, isn't it? Excuse me. <laughs> the face turn is the face turn is allowed to point out inaccuracies, okay? Mm. No, it's you not. You're supposed to be nice to people. It's an observation, not exactly. A, you're supposed to say, actually, Dave, I think you might be mistaken with that one because that's a face turn. No, it's not. Face turn. Excuse me. Hulk Hogan was a, a face, face and he spent all his time a fucking breaking turn. people's eyes and shit. Yeah, but he was the face <laughs> turn. <laughs> that's not even an alleged. That is like a hundred percent. Just so we're clear, that's not staying in. Look at the waveform <laughs> right here. <laughs> Um, no, because I'm, I'm going to take that and I'm going to make sure it stays in. Right. What's, what's he going to do? Fucking have our end? Oh, yeah, because Hulk Hogan's never sued anyone before, is he? <laughs> He's well known for hating litigation. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I, always, I can't even remember what I was saying. No, you can you can just behave in the same way and call it, and call it a fucking face turn. I've been very polite. I mean, this isn't WWE. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that in fairness to uh, to Coppola, it was obvious that yeah. the that that role was was beyond her, and I think that it it wasn't. It wasn't right of her father to be like, no. okay, this is like he's making the calls. Yeah, and no matter if you want to be in like his entire, well, not his entire, but a lot of his job is is fighting for actors. He fought for Al Pacino and various other people in the original Godfather as legend has grown over the years. So he should have known. He should have like he should have said, "I'm sorry, this this may cause a problem, but." You're not right for it. And the fact they had a... Uh, they ha- wasn't thingy in it. Bridget Fonda was in the movie in a minor role. But he's just he's just in The Godfather, one of the greatest films of all time. Followed it up with The Godfather Part 2, yeah. another one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah. We're talking about hubris and just having... Yeah, it's having the is, people around you who will go, that's a fucking dreadful but idea. this is 16 years hence. Yeah. You know, he's done The Cotton Club at this point. Yeah. He's done... And I think that... The fact that Bridget Fonda's in the movie, mm-hmm. just as somewhat as a reporter or something that sleeps with uh, Andy Garcia's character, is that she's on set. I know, obviously, shooting days are different. Maybe they couldn't get her, but like, she's a better actress. I don't think Godfather Part Three was struggling for casting. Well, it was struggling for having arguments. Well, it wasn't the whole thing with Robert Duvall. He wanted more money, and not necessarily parity of Al Pacino. But obviously, they knew how, he knew how much Al Pacino was being paid. And he was like, well, I, don't, I just don't want to get paid what I got paid before, maybe, or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And so he said, I'm not doing it. And the whole movie is really hurt by the absence of yeah. the, mor- the moral core of the movie, of the first two movies, is Tom Hagen. Because he's the outsider who happened to be on the inn. Mm-hmm. You know, originally, he's adopted. He, you know, they find him on the street. And uh, then at the, he's like, he becomes the Don. At some point, at the, towards the end of the Godfather Part Two, in like you know, for legal or tax reasons, and then he just gets sidelined, and that's part of the whole problem. That's when you know Michael Corleone's completely unraveling, because he's isolating those who are meant to protect him, and uh, and then his absence in the third movie just completely derails the film. I think, and that's why I, I think Michael Corleone's like journey to the good side, like he tries, you know, uh, he tries to ennoble himself by getting this medal from the Pope. But in, I would have liked to have seen the inside. He's still really calculating, which he is. Mm-hmm. Then he has the stroke and he's like, oh, I need to be good again. And like, I think with uh, Tom Hagen, they would have... That's just because he's religious, isn't he? Non-death dose. So that would have been, a bit, more, that would have been a bit more nuanced, I think, because so like the falling, he'd have to make he'd have to make it up to Hagen. Mm-hmm. He'd have to go some way and, and demonstrate, not just say. And then he ends up making, uh, with Diane uh, Lane's character... Uh, he ends up trying to have a relationship with her, but it just, it's just not quite right. It doesn't feel doesn't feel right. What the fuck are we talking about? Shit performances. We were talking about bad casting. You've just been talking a load of shit. I've been doing some shopping while you've been uh, carrying on. So, oh yeah, how those uh, <laughs> vegan sandwiches going? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, bad casting. Bad casting. I hate lazy casting. Like. When it's like so, basically, we've got this. We've got this film, and it's like a film-length version of Twenty Four. If you can imagine that, oh wow, action-packed. Who should we get? 
Uh, Keith of Sutherland. So, oh, for fuck, come on. I don't. What? Is that, is that what? what oh, it's lazy. That? What film was that? Oh, I can't remember the name. Is that of a it. real one? Like, yeah, it's a real one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, the, the, the bankability <laughs> argument makes sense for the bean counters, but the problem is, is when you start casting movies which just have the genericized. Like, it's a bit of a running joke at the moment with the Chris's in Hollywood. They're actually quite good actors. They're not the same. They're, they're, they're not just pretty boys for the you know who have nothing else. Pine Evans and the other one. Hemsworth? Hemsworth, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they all have their different things going on and they're, they're playing up to it now. It's quite funny. They're, mm-hmm. they're pretending to be each other on chat shows and one of the, uh, was it Chris, uh, Chris Pine's son dressed up as Captain America? And he was like, oh, fucking hell, fucking hell. Like, but actually someone on Reddit, of all places, had a really good point about this. Someone else in the comments said, yeah, well, Ronaldo, the footballer's son, his uh, idol is messy. And someone responded <laughs> saying, yeah, because Ronaldo is just his dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Messi exists in almost like a fictionalised mm-hmm. version of reality, whereas Ronaldo comes home and starts, like, I don't know, doing... Why have you not done your room? Yeah. Put the washing Ronaldo out. comes home and tells him he's fucking being a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Messi doesn't come back and say, listen, do the dishes or you can't watch fucking Captain Planet, does he? Yeah. Like, my kids, their favourite YouTube personality is Stampy Longnose. Yeah. And it's like, why is it, well, why is it not me? Stampy <laughs> Longnose. Yeah. That's because you're a dickhead. You're getting into like, right, kids stuff. Stampy, I've met Stampy. He's all right. Well, I'm not, well, I've been in the same room as him. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed all right. Oh, he fuck wa- it out. He walked in. I thought it was Simon Amstel. It wasn't. Fair. Um, Fair. So, you know. Fair's cup. But we were talking before about casting against type. Uh, so Taken, how that, how that movie just is carried by Liam Neeson. He's an actual I think, actor. I think the movie is carried by the fact just like halfway in you're going, man, Liam Neeson's kicking fuck yeah. out of people. Uh, Bruce Willis in Die Hard, he was a romantic comedy well, actor before that. Well, Moonlighting, wasn't he? Yeah. And he well, that, that is the reason why Die Hard was obviously so successful because... He's like an actual everyman rather John than everyman. a jacked up. Yeah. yeah, he turns up, he's pissed off about air travel... And then he's pissed off because his wife is using a different name. And then he's pissed off because he's now wearing, not got any shoes on. Mm. That pissed me off. And then he's pissed off because he's got to wear a vest and shoot people. And no, we were talking have... about Christmas films before sure. as well. Uh, having, the, uh, having the chat of getting the, getting the list of the films in early about the ones we're definitely going to watch. And of course, I was like, well, Die Hard. Because it's obviously a fucking Christmas film. I mean, and once again, so... got shut down that it isn't a Christmas film. And it's like, I'm pretty sure it's a Christmas party. Pretty sure it's got a jumper that says ho, ho, ho on it. Yeah. Well, he writes that. Well, he writes but it. But the um, the tape that he uses. It fucking snows at some point, doesn't it? They, there are, there's Christmas music, or was it Let Snow plays over the the credits. The only reason he's there is because it's the Christmas party, and he uses Christmas themed uh, wrapping tape to put his gun on his yeah. back when he shoots hands. So there's a lot of Christmas through line going on here. You can't say it's not a Christmas movie. Basically, show it your kids. It's well Christmassy. Do you know what? I think, actually, I think, do you know what? The, the, the fucking, the Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie pattern has gotten to the point where it's a bit 2007. Look, it's just my opinion, guys. Just, just, just laying it out there. This is Heel Jim speaking now, mm. right? So, Die Hard, it, it's got to the point where I think the zeitgeist needs to flip around again to where people are saying, actually, it's obviously not a fucking Christmas movie. Yeah, but the thing but is, it's, it's about, about Christmas, ter- though, isn't it? it's about terrorists getting shot. Okay. Yeah, well, so what? So, Home Alone's a fucking Christmas movie. Okay, That's yeah, about Home, a little kick, kicking shit out of two brothers. Yeah, it is absolutely a Christmas movie. Okay. Well, there's the same logic because, doesn't work. Because it is overtly a Christmas movie where Die Hard... So no, it's it the ends fucking with a Die Hard. Because Die Hard, it's got a load of fucking bollocks about Christmas in it and family and fucking all that shit. Yeah, it's also it's got shooting hard. people in the knees die and fucking hard. putting irons on the face. All Die Hard, the only connection Die Hard has to Christmas is that it happens to be happening around Christmas. That is but like, no, that's not that true. Logic that logic doesn't stand no, up if you no, watch Home Alone. No, if, your if there was no, if there was no Christmas, well, no, because Chris, Home Alone, he goes into a fucking church service that's about Christmas. Well, real Christians go all year round, Jim. I mean, yeah. Also, like, also, a lot of the jingles that are, that are in the score are Christmas themed in Die Hard. He is only there for literally the Christmas party. Now I'm telling you. Listen, I, you, think, I, just alone, think, I just think it's a little bit obtuse to insist. It's not obtuse. You're it's making the same argument. No. Firstly, it's it's really it's a little bit obtuse to keep insisting that it's a Christmas movie when actually nobody's actually no not a single fucking person has ever denied that it's a Christmas movie. I had that argument literally last night Apart, with two other people that insisted it wasn't. Well, they are the only people in history who have ever insisted that it is a Christmas movie. 
and and fucking you. Yeah, but I was doing it for comedy effect. I, 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 I mean, it's obviously a Christmas movie. It happens at Christmas. But that, you're fucking dead. <laughs> this is a no. He's taking his heels shit too seriously. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think it would be vastly more entertaining if if the uh, if the uh, you know, I know what you mean though, like the if, whole, if, if, it's, it's kind of like the self-satisfaction of mm-hmm. the, as if you, it's like conspiracy theory, as if you've discovered something like, well actually Die Hard is a Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, that's like, what I don't like. It's like, well yes, you know, it, of course it is. And it's say, not even particularly subvert. It's like, exactly, no. it's, it's the same, it's, it's the Christmas movie take equivalent of getting to the fucking second of January and going, where's my flying car? It's like, you're not getting one. What does that mean? It's not even fucking what, what's, funny. What's that reference it's to? It stopped being funny. What's it that reference never to? Funny. What's that reference to? That, that whole thing, you never, you never seen that no, on Twitter no, or whatever? No. I've had it in, in, in person as well where people, uh, people lament the fact that they still don't own a flying car despite the fact that it's so many We weren't promised flying cars, we were promised hoverboards. We got flying cars. I mean, they called planes. We were kind of, we kind of were promised flying cars. But they called helicopters. <laughs> you just can't afford one. But the thing is, it's like, well, well. I mean, you don't have a flying car. The reason you don't have a flying car, they do actually exist. They have been invented. The reason you don't have one is because, like, because of the. the <laughs> because there's massive socio-economic implications to the idea of everyone having a fucking flying aircraft in their fucking driveway. But more to the point, Just get a drone, you, you it? might not have a flying car, but you do have a small rectangle in your pocket on which you can access every single human uh, artwork and idea and... I, I, and Jim Trinker rants at any hour of the day. Like, at what point are you not living in the future where all this... I mean, fucking hell, fascism's back. That's how far in the future you're living. <laughs> yeah, that's We're now living so far out from the fucking Second World War that some fucking morons think it's a good idea yeah. to be fascists again. Although we were talking so, about being in sky planes before, Steve Burns. What was that class <laughs> called? The one above first class? Oh, it's the residence. So uh, someone tweeted about watching people review first class and business class. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a quick look around these. And uh, because he was saying basically the guy's a massive uh, walloper. And the guy I found, he was quite nice actually. He was very polite. But there was one chap who he was in, it's called the residence. I think it's on Etihad. And so like all like business class, the car picks you up. You go there. There's no fucking check-in. Excuse me, check-ins for poor people. What, you book business class, they send you a car? Yeah. Oh, shit, man. Yeah. Well, some of them, Virgin do. Uh, so you go through, so he goes through. There's no fucking around here. There's none of this, take your fucking belt off, mate. It's just, get the fuck out of my way. Hmm. Your concierge meets you. <laughs> then you go to your private room, your private lounge. In comes your fucking private butler. Yeah. He starts giving the spiel. You have a few drinks. So I zoned out again. You're just talking about what happens when you go back to your house. So. Yeah, anyway. So you have a few drinks. Anyway, they get, eventually, after like 25 minutes, they get on the fucking plane. Yeah. In some secret entrance that fucking poor people aren't even allowed to look at. <laughs> yeah. they're, not, they're not even allowed to know about it. Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise they might try and get in. Yeah. So you go into first on the A380. This is not my personal experience, by the way. This is someone on YouTube. And... <laughs> You go across and you go past all the other fucking poros who think they're in first class. Well, you might be, but I'm in the residence, baby. This is what the whole thing's saying. You go in. You know when you're sitting in a seat, in, well, in business class, they have those little pods, right? And you can pull up the little divide so you don't have to look at other people. But maybe you actually have to look at people over the other aisle. Mm-hmm. None of that shit. See, that's all I wanted till I heard about the residence. There's none of that shit here, mate. And it's these two doors close. And it's got a sofa in there. It's got a sofa. And you're mm-hmm. like, where's the bed? I mean, shut the fuck up. There's a sofa and there's a massive telly. The telly is bigger than the than economy class. It really is. And uh, the bed is actually in a completely separate bedroom with a door that closes and everything. What the fuck is going on? The guy's like, this is this is ridiculous. That's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. So basically, some people have just essentially a hotel room on a plane. Yes, that's yeah. almost exactly what which it's is, like. Which is brilliant, but also... I mean, how often are you on a plane long enough to need a fucking hotel room? I think it's only done it a couple of times this year. Yeah, it's the Australia stuff, isn't it? I'd let mate, if I had a fucking bedroom on that plane, yeah. Yeah, but you you've had to haven't you had to kind of split the journey and you know, I mean, I mean, at some point the plane's going to fucking run out of fuel. Like it can't go for that long, surely. Listen, I'm not, if I'm it not comes sure to a choice, logic is here. I'm sitting in a chair. Uh huh. 
for 13 hours or sitting yeah. in a lounge in the sky yeah. and then going into a fucking private bedroom and flicking on base station or whatever they're doing <laughs> you know fair enough I mean that is true that yeah. is true I mean, I've been it, downloading all the porn in the fucking residence bedroom isn't there it comes to free mate as well exactly. you don't have to phone down to reception it is, it is pretty incredible like I, I mean awkward partridge phone uh, call how much does that cost it must got we should look at it at least six ninety nine more uh, yeah uh, flash it on the screen, Jim. Are you joking? Flash I mean, it on that the sounds to me like that's probably like a good thirty grand to get to. Uh, yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Next Absolutely. week it'll just be sponsored by Etihad. <laughs> we'll be like, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, it's not ridiculous. It's great. There yeah, you go. Yeah. If I hadn't seen such riches, I could live with being poor. <laughs> there you go. Right, yeah. let's wrap it up there. I think. Listen, let me begin. I'm sick of this fucking having no money pattern. You know, I need to. Well, I need to stop fucking spending. Yeah, stop spending it on fucking watches that tell you when Patrick Dane's fucking tweeted you, mate. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it tells me when Ian Dransfield has texted me, which is a lot more important. I did also notice that Alice Bell asked us if any of us are an Aztec camera. Well, actually, this is the time to say that actually next week we've got Aztec camera on the podcast. Yes! So tune yes. in then. We yeah. bumped into him in McDonald's, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. They were work- they're, yeah, there's a problem with my Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Roddy. <laughs> Wake up, Roddy. Up. There's... Uh... I'm going now. Turn this off. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Bye.